0: Hey friends, this is Jason and South Bend City Church. And uh, I'm sorry, this is super late. Uh, This is audio from our experimental gathering on Wednesday, October 5th. And we're about a week late getting this out. Uh, Sorry about that. But I'm really excited for you guys to hear what happened that night. Now, right now, it's actually as I'm talking to you and recording this, it's Wednesday the 12th. And I just got home from tonight's gathering. And it was so good, you guys. (laughs) the power went out and it was amazing. The power went out like 20 seconds into our gathering. And what a tribe of gung-ho, go for it, let's just roll with this, um, people. It was amazing, it was it was a really beautiful night. Uh, but of course, with the power going out, it means that tonight's gathering didn't have any audio that we could capture. So here's the deal. Uh, tonight's gathering, if you're wondering, the, the 12th, uh, I'm gonna sort of recreate that. I'm gonna do some dining table preaching here on the microphone and see if we can capture the message that we uh, listened to tonight uh, as we looked at the book of Acts. But now, let's take you back to October 5th, Wednesday night. This was our last experimental gathering. And um, this is really good news, because last Wednesday we got to announce that we are done with experimental gatherings that happen sporadically every six weeks or whatever, and we're finally moving to weekly gatherings. Uh, We are now meeting every Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. at The Brick in South Bend early in the spring, we were dreaming. So we had a couple of meetings just to dream and pray together in homes and in big rooms. And then after the dreaming, we turned our attention to some experimenting, to exploring different ways that a church could be a church, different ways that a church can think about worship or doubt or being together. And now that we've sort of moved through that, it's finally time to just grow into being a church together. So we still haven't really launched. I mean, we've got a lot to figure out. We've We don't really have a home yet. We've got a lot of pieces in the puzzle we still need to put together, but uh, it feels really good that we get to be together weekly, and we'd love to have you join us. If you've been listening online and you're thinking about exploring this, um, please come on a Wednesday. We'd love to have you. We've got Kid Care at the YMCA, which is located right next door and shares a parking lot with the brick. Uh, It's fantastic that the kids can um, have an experience at the YMCA in that facility. And the parents that I've talked to so far who've had their kids there seem to really be excited about it. So kids at the Y, us at the Brick at 6.30 on Wednesday, and we get to hang out afterwards and use that space until late and get to know each other as we grow into a church together. Now, back on the 5th was the second of two nights of listening. So our first night of listening was the last episode you might have heard, and that was us listening together, us exploring our rooted faith and the changing world that we live in and our city context and just paying attention to what we might hear when we when we listen to all of that together. So that happened uh, on the uh, in September and then on October 5th we turned our attention to listening to our neighbors, to voices of other church leaders in our community, uh, people who work with the homeless and the poor, uh, and also uh, some of our brothers and sisters who are homeless right now. We got to hear from them. We got to hear from uh, the LGBT community, uh, from city leadership, and uh, just sort of a wide array of voices. And so that's where we're going to take you tonight uh, to, on, this, on this episode here. You can listen in and uh, keep up to speed with what's going on. And I hope that we see you. Um, you can always keep up to things on southbendcitychurch.com. If you'd like to support us by giving, uh, we'd be so grateful to help us make this dream a reality. You can give online. And if you'd like to be in the newsletter so you're up to date, you can sign up there to get emails from us roughly once a week as we tell you what's going on. And uh, now let's go back to uh, the 5th of October and our night of listening to our neighbors. Well, uh, tonight is about listening to our neighbors, but before we get quite to that, I want to set it up just for a minute if I can. This week I got a 3 a.m. text message from a friend and you, you know like those kind of texts fall into two or three few categories, right? Well, This is a good text. It was from a friend on the West Coast and it was midnight or 11 or whatever it was, his time, and he was in the middle of a very frustrating conversation and he texted me and it was something to the effect of, what do you do when you're talking politics with your family and you feel like facts don't matter in the conversation? Have you been there? Now, I won't describe which side of politics he was on and which side his family was on and that doesn't really matter because that's not the point. The point is we've all had these moments when you're on the other side of some kind of divide. Someone else is on on that side and you don't understand why this bridge can't be built. Have you been there? Have you felt that? Uh, I want to look at a a moment in Jesus' ministry that seems to be tapping into the very same reality that shapes us. This is in Luke 4, and I think we have printed uh, in one of the inserts in the the long, skinny program thing. Uh, You should find Luke chapter 4, a long passage there. Jesus is just getting started. This is like the inauguration of Jesus. He's just had his baptism, which is sort of his big moment. When God announces to the world, this is my son, and I'm doing something like I've never done before through him, and he's been tempted, and now he shows up and he does something unexpected. Uh, I want to pick up with you in Luke 4, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So the scene is, Jesus is a traveling preacher man, and he's gaining a bit of a following in that part of the land. People are coming to know that there's this guy named Jesus, and when he shows up to speak, you should really pay attention. Something unique is going on with him. Something important happens when he speaks, and so he stands up with all this expectation, and then he turns to Isaiah. Now, it's a bit lengthy, but uh, whenever you see Scripture being quoted in the New Testament, it's a good thing to go find the whole thing in the Old Testament because what you can be sure of is that Jesus' original followers, they would have known how the whole thing went. And for Jesus to speak a word or two from this from this text, is for them to sort of recall the whole thing. So I don't have the Isaiah text in front of you. That's good. I just want you to hear it, okay? So if you want to close your eyes, you don't have to catch every word of this, but just like let this picture hit your brain of what's being described in Isaiah. This is the scroll that Jesus is reading from, Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. They'll rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They'll renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. You'll feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace... They will rejoice in their inheritance, so they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed." I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he's clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. That's what Jesus reads. And then in verse 20, it says, He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And you can imagine the moment. So, a famous preacher man that everybody thinks something important is going on with shows up in your gathering. And he turns to this passage that's full of expectation. It's like he's looking at a people who are tired of the status quo, it doesn't work anymore. The circumstance around them or the things within them are broken down and they're sick of it. And he turns to a text that says, it's not always going to be that way. In fact, there's a day, there's a different reality breaking in to this reality. He turns to that text, he reads it, and you can just imagine, everybody's like, what's he going to say about this? We have so much hope wrapped up in this. So much, like, could it be, would it be, could this ever really be the kind of world that we live in, the kind of life that we experience? He reads that text, and then they're all looking at him. And then he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And you can imagine how pumped they are, right? Apparently, he has some credibility with them. Because if just anybody turns to that text and say, oh, yeah, me and now. Like, like, they probably get chased out, but not with Jesus. Apparently, there's something about him. They've already sensed there's something unique, something important. So they trust him. He says this is happening. And next verse, all spoke well of him. And we're amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Which is a way of saying, this is our guy. Like they know his dad. This is family. This is community. This is our boy. This is our team. And he's saying it's happening now. Finally, all the good news that we were hoping for, all the gospel that we hoped would be spoken, it's being spoken now. Something's about to change. And I read that and I relate because like I just read through all of our dreams and there's the lament of the way the world is and there's the lament of what we have done in our churches and there's all this hope about something new breaking in, about being a part of something new and about uh, a new day for our city that wraps up all the hope and all the trouble of our history with all the present moment and presses into a future that's really good and beautiful for every kind of person. We have all of that stirred up right now, right? So here's what's interesting. It's what Jesus does next. Jesus says to them, surely you'll quote this proverb to me. And then he pulls this from a rabbinical commentary, this thing that they would have known. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard you do in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued. Listen, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. He says, so among your people, there was lots of need in that moment, right? Right? Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And you and I read it, we might miss that. A widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon is not a Jewish woman. This is a miracle that happens to somebody who is in in another tribe across a line outside the boundary. Okay, just like pay attention to that. And he goes on. It's like, I'm like, Jesus, you better like lighten up, dude, because they're about to deal with you. But he just keeps pressing. He says, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the what? Syrian. In other words, not a Jew, not an Israelite. And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. A minute ago, they're like patting each other on the back and celebrating, speaking well of him, saying, isn't this Joseph's son? Hometown boy's the hero. God's going to do this good thing right here for us. And Jesus just like, rejects all of that and runs way out of bounds and says, but let me tell you these stories of when God did something outside your tribe. Let me tell you stories of when the good news was bigger than you, right? And so uh, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. I've seen this cliff, by the way, over in Israel. It's um, daunting, okay? (laughs) He would have been crushed. His body would have been like splattered on the ground. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. So we have a, a promise that there's a moment right now that you're living in, and God is doing something. He's bringing his promises to bear. There's flourishing waiting for us in this moment, and it's centered in the work of Jesus. There's this promise that something beautiful is happening. But then the next thing Jesus does is he says, but by the way, apparently our addiction to tribalism, to deciding who is with us and who's against us and who's the us and who are the them and who are the others and who are ours, apparently all of that that happens in all of us is totally incompatible with what Jesus is doing. So he says, here's my work, and it's so good. But it can be totally corrupted by the fact that you and me, we like to draw our lines and decide who is in and who is out, right? That text I got, we, we talked about it for a minute, and it struck me like you have so much. You have, have you ever felt like you have a bomb going off in your chest when there's somebody across the table who sees things differently from you? They belong to a different tribe, a different politic, a different theological persuasion. Have you ever felt that just intense negative energy? Social psychologists look at this. They've seen this. They've discovered that we are like, hardwired to live by tribal lines. You can just Google psychology of tribalism and just find all kinds of stuff. You can discover that in one major study, um, a bunch of people were simply shown images of a black man or a white man. Just a black man or a white man. And they did brain scans while these images were shown. And if you're a white person and you see an image of a black person, they saw all this activity in the amygdala, which is where fear lives. And this, this is an activity that happens so quickly that the more elevated parts of your brain have a hard time getting a grip on it because they move a little more slowly than the fear-based part of your brain that simply sees somebody different from you and freaks out. And the reaction was the same when the, when the roles were inverted. We, we live in a world that's just like intensely, deeply tribal. Have you felt that? Have you noticed that? And what we believe is that God is doing something amazing with South Bend City Church. I believe that to my bones. I quit my job because I think God wants to do something with South Bend City Church. I think that's the first time that's happened. South Bend City Church. Guys, I had a good job. I liked my job. I don't know if you know that. I enjoyed my job, but I quit it because I really believe God wants to do something with South Bend City Church. I really do. I think in this room right now, there's something special happening. I think when we get together and call ourselves South Bend City Church, something important is happening. But I don't think it's the only place something important is happening. And this is tricky because Church Planning 101 is you go out there with a marketing campaign and you convince everyone you can that God is up to something here and only here, and you better get here, because if you don't get here, you won't get God. That's a really quick way to build a crowd. And maybe sometimes you've seen the way Christians try to get the word out, and you haven't been able to put your finger on what's wrong with it, but maybe that's what's wrong with it, that there's like a scarcity of God in the world a scarcity of God's kingdom, a scarcity of Jesus' generosity in the world. So you got to get in here. you got to be a part of us. So the tension I feel as a leader is I do think something unique is happening with South Bend City Church. I think in this room tonight, I think when we sing together, when we open the scriptures, when we uh, hang out afterwards, I think something unique and important is happening here. But I think that the best way for us to press further into it is to listen to what God is saying to us from outside of here, to cross boundaries, to listen to neighbors, people who carry different labels from us, people who are a part of different ways of thinking about God or what it means to be human than us. I think we need to listen to our neighbor. Later in Luke, Jesus is asked, what are the, what's the most important thing? How would you bottom line what God wants for us? And he says, love God and love your neighbor. And then the, the person asking the question has to clarify, well, who's my neighbor? Because I need to know of everybody around me who is in and who is out. And we don't have time to get into it tonight, but Jesus tells a mind-blowingly subversive story in which he does things that you could really miss. But basically he tells a story to say, you're asking the wrong question. Everybody is your neighbor. The question is, will you be a neighbor? Will you love? And we believe it's hard to love your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor. And we think it's hard to know your neighbor if you don't listen to your neighbor. So today we wanna do some listening. Now, a word about listening. Maybe you you wonder, like, when when voices are brought into this room or spoken, when we hear different messages, I think one of the things that gets messed up in our dialogue in the world today is we think that listening and endorsing always have to be the same thing. And I just think that's foolish. And so we have conversations over coffee or over a beer or at the family table or with strangers and, and... We hear perspectives that we don't know what to make of them or we don't know if we agree with them or we just hear something we flat out disagree with and it's like we think that listening is the same thing as endorsing and so we're afraid to just listen. And I think that's broken because not much listening happens if that's your fear, right? So... Uh, So we've been doing some proactive, preemptive listening to bring some voices into this gathering here. Uh, Leading that charge is uh, a friend of mine, also now a teammate of mine, and it makes me really happy to call him a teammate, a guy named Ryan Yazel. Ryan has joined our staff team, and that's a result of a whole bunch of people's generosity to make that possible. And the reason uh, we got Ryan on the team is because Ryan has spent over a decade living in and serving a neighborhood in South Bend through a church. And during that time, Ryan has learned a lot about our city, things I don't understand about our city, things our community doesn't understand yet about our city. He's learned what it's like to be part of an under-resourced population. He's learned what it's like to be on the receiving end of actions from churches that maybe feel good to the churches, but don't feel good to the people they're trying to serve. Uh, Ryan has a deep heart for God, a deep heart for the city. And everywhere I go in the city, when people hear that I got him to be on our team, they're like, oh, good, good job. So I'm really excited. Uh, Ryan is going to help us listen to our neighbors. You guys, welcome Ryan Yazel. <clears throat> Maybe. Maybe.
1: Colossians. Colossians. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Colossians. Is the is there a light on there? Where would the light be? I don't think it is. Hang on. You do it. <laughs> I think we want Hi, that right. Yes.
1: All right. Not a
0: church yet, everyone. Okay. <laughs> Experimental gathering. Um, Ryan, thanks yes. for being up here with us. Uh, thanks.
1: Uh, it's really great to share. And uh, I, I first want to say, as we're talking about these voices and the neighbors that we've been able to talk to, that many many of our neighbors are here with us right now, right? And so uh, we got there's not really these inside outside designations that are easy to make. Um, but what I will say is we we try to talk to as many people and as many different people that represent large groups of people that may be uh, outside of our group that's meeting here today. So uh, as you hear these voices know that there's lots of other voices probably represented by the people we talk to. And it's been just this really exciting process. I feel like Uh, when I was collecting baseball cards as a kid, right? Like each new card that I didn't have before was just this great victory. And so hearing uh, every new opinion, every new thought, every new story represented uh, has just been a treasure. So it's been really a great privilege to be able to have these conversations.
0: Yeah, no, Ryan, you've kind of, you worked through a lot of feedback and and you've kind of sort of uh, noticed some themes that emerged, right? So let's talk through themes. What's the first thing that stood out to you?
1: Uh, The first thing and something that's really just encouraging, is that there's a lot of excitement uh, for for South Bend City Church getting going in a variety of different areas. We talked to city leaders. Uh, Councilman Tim Scott, who's our city council president, and the parks director, Aaron Perry, expressed just a lot of excitement for what uh, another church that really seeks to serve the city uh, could do for our city. We've had uh, church and ministry partners. Uh, Rusty Polander, director of transitions at Hope, wrote a great letter about his excitement for us as a church, Uh, Keith Walatka, the pastor at Riverside Church, uh, and Megan Chandler at River Park Grace all were just saying, hey, we're just excited Mm. to have another church, another partner in town that we can be teammates with together. Mm. And then also there was a lot of people that just expressed excitement saying, hey, uh, we don't feel uh, like we've found church connections or communities that, that feel like home to us. And so we're excited that there could be another potential place that we might be able to find home. So just the excitement was the first thing that stood out and that was really something that was quite encouraging.
0: I'm curious, have any of you guys run into that, like just telling your friends about South Bend City Church? Anybody? Have you heard some of that? Yeah, the excitement thing is something I picked up on too. Not the only thing we've heard though. So let's let's keep going.
1: So the, the next theme I think is well set up by this quote. Uh, this quote is from Eli Williams, who Eli is the executive director of the LGBTQ Center. She said, I hope South Bend City Church is a church that understands that a lot of people are just very scarred by Christianity. Hmm. And I just think we need to take a second just to think about that. Hmm. That we're not starting with a blank slate, Hmm. that all of us are people and we all have stories. And there's many people, uh, the church has done a lot of great things through the centuries, but let's be honest, the church has also hurt a lot of people through the centuries, Hmm. Uh, intentionally and unintentionally, right? And so uh, a lot of these next things are trying to say, hey, how can we avoid some of the pitfalls that maybe we've experienced in in church experiences that we've had? Mm -hmm. Uh, Andre Northern, one of my friends and a great leader in our community, said, hey, be careful not to fall into categories that many put churches into today. I've personally witnessed churches that prey on those who need hope and compassion the most, taking their very limited resources and misleading them into peril.
0: We lose a battery, maybe? Yeah. It's off again. We'll just use a wired mic here, huh? Where's the battery? Yeah, there we go. This is uh, Matt, by the way, Matt Teeters, Dr. Matt Teeters, who is so kind to bring his sound system and make great sound for us. Have you ever seen a better dressed sound guy? (laughs) Thanks, Matt. Uh,
1: Yeah, and and I just want to point out that the church is leading people in apparel. I don't think churches are doing that intentionally. So that's a good encouragement that we should be wary and cautious uh, that we not go accidentally mm. go down those paths. Another friend, Sarita, uh, shared a church needs to be safe. So it should be non judgmental and not have people gossiping. Mm. Also, a good church would not pressure people, making them feel bad if they don't show up or by passing the plate too many times to get people's money. People need to feel like a church is something they want to be a part of because it feels like home, not because they feel pressured into it.
0: Mm. Can, I, can I just say real briefly, that's so interesting to me, because I sometimes I think the best way to make somebody know they matter to us is to check in when they aren't here. And it might be that certain people, that's how they do know they matter to us, and other people feel, like, really uncomfortable about that. And maybe the only way you find out is just by asking them what makes them comfortable, right? So it's just so good to ask.
1: Another, uh, Robert, who's actually Sarita's husband, said... A safe church is also a place where the church doesn't show off what they do to help people and make the people helped get recognized Hmm. for being helped or feel like guinea pigs. When that happens, it just feels like people trying to get attention for themselves, and it's embarrassing for the others who are helped. But Jesus said, when you help someone, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Uh, Beyond the statement from Robert, this is something I've heard from others. Uh, I've heard from people uh, who are residents at Hope, I've heard this from them, I've heard it from the leadership of Hope and from other places, is saying like, hey, as churches, what our people need is we need to be able to live as equals in community together and not be treating people like objects for us to serve or work on or to feel good about the things that we've done. So I took that as a great challenge for us. Uh, moving more specific back to Eli from the LGBTQ Center, she said this specifically for her community. She said because of what they, what their community has experienced, the pain experienced at the hands of Christianity, they need a church that is not only affirming, but explicitly affirming. There's obviously been a lack of trust uh, that's been built over time uh, for that community in different ways. And Jonathan Grant, a local artist, uh, he brought that together kind of with, um, with another challenge that goes with that. He said, hey, churches need to just say right up front who is welcome and who is not. I would hope that everyone would be welcomed, but often churches' communities have qualifiers to this that do not get expressed until a person's already involved in the community later. I've seen this repeatedly as the primary source of pain pushing the LGBT community away from church involvement. So it's a great challenge that in all of these different ways there's some things that that uh again unintentionally churches have fallen into um that I, I know as a pastor of other churches I'm sure that there's many of these things that we did unintentionally through the road but let's be uh informed uh by these voices that there's some things that we should be looking out for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know I, and and some of you might just feel like wow that's just a whole can of worms that just got opened up. Part of me is like yeah that's what happens when you start listening, right? <laughs> And um, we're not going to be able to put a lid on that today. But um, but we ought to hear that, don't you think? We ought to hear that.
1: Uh, another another theme, I'm not going to read quotes on this one. People were just saying, hey, let's be a church. That, I hope you're a church that actually takes action. reminded me of... Uh, Pastor James to the church in Jerusalem mm. who wrote to us, hey, don't just tell people go and be warm and well-fed and then send them on their way without actually doing something about it. Mm. There's a lot of people that were expressing, hey, let's, uh, we need more churches that do things about things. So uh, may that inform us as well. Uh, the next section was, was just a desire expressed from so many people that we would be a church that embraces diversity and all that goes with it. Mm. Uh, my friend Joseph was honest. Uh, and, and in addition to expressing many other things that have already been expressed, Uh, I hope your church is a place that's not just full of white people, but that all types of people can feel comfortable being a part of it. Uh, That was just straight to the point, Uh, really clear honesty that I really appreciate. So did you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I'll just say, I got a great email this week that I haven't responded to yet. So if it was from you, forgive me. I'll respond to you right now, which is um, somebody somebody wrote in and said, hey, I hear you guys talk about diversity. I look at your website and you got three white guys. I don't know what to say except, yep, that's where we're starting. And it's not good enough. And we're, we're going to build, and we're going to grow, and we got a lot of work to do. But the best I can say right now is, you're right. Like That's not ideal. And um, I'm really proud of our team in terms of the individuals who are on it. But I'm not proud of that sort of shared characteristic, because I think that's not the way we're going to get there. So if, you, if that was you, or if you were wondering, I, I'm just owning that. And uh, let's grow together, OK? Uh,
1: for the last ones, we have the quote from Jake um. Is Okay, go ahead and hit this one. Uh, Jake, hey, Jake uh, who was our... F- oh, sorry. Just, just kidding. So, <laughs> so Jake's here. He was our photographer uh, that took the amazing shots. Hey, you, that, you
0: guys want to like, thank Jake for the, for the photography that he shared with us last time? Here. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'll, I'll let him speak now. Hey, I'm Jake. I'm the director at The Beacon on the west side of South Bend. My hope for South Bend City Church is that it's a group of people who are incarnational, um, living incarnational in the city of South Bend, um, whatever side of the city that looks like, um, that you're loving your neighbors, um, and that your church reflects, um, the place where, where you exist at. Hmm. Hey,
0: so Ryan, there's a word there, incarnational. Um, maybe you come from a context where that word has a lot of meaning, or maybe it sounds kind of academic or something. You want to give a little context for that?
1: Yeah. Uh, the, the basic uh, kind of concept behind that is what God did when he entered into our world, right? That God took on human form and came right into the middle of where we were at, right? And so as we talk about, uh, uh, without too much assuming what that word meant for you, Jake. Uh, incarnational <laughs> means uh, being with people in the community. And it, I love that Jake shared that because I've heard this from many, many people. Um, as I go through life, there, there was a time where I was like um, getting a little unhealthier than I should have been, uh, and it was getting noticeable. Right, <laughs> And it, if somebody would have come up to me at that point and been like, hey man, uh, you need to lose a little bit, (laughs) you're not looking so great, I would have probably been pretty offended and ticked off by that and been like, who are you to feel like you can speak into my life in that way, right? Mm -hmm. But if that was a conversation I was having with my wife, who's saying like, hey, we got kids, I don't, I want you to be able to to stay healthy and live a long life and, and all this, then that's a different conversation, right? And I think there's that difference, right? Is that people in the city, when we're saying, hey, here's this new church that's entering into the city, the question that comes out is, are you a church that's just going to try to be for us, or are you going to be a church that's going to be with us, Mm -hmm. right? In the middle of what we're going through. So if we're having problems with our schools, if we're having problems with our neighborhoods, uh, are you just going to kind of point the finger from the outside and say, hey, this is what you guys all need to fix and get your act together, or is there gonna be some shared movement together of, hey, these are our things that we're gonna carry together and I'm not saying you have to live in South Bend. Like, we're gonna, we have people from all over the place, and that, that is okay. South Bend City Church is not exclusive to only people that live in South Bend. So put that to ease. Uh, but there is, there is something great about that, too. And I would love for people to always consider maybe moving into South Bend if you want to go deeper and mm-hmm. walking alongside the people in the city of South mm-hmm. Bend.
0: This reminds me of um, Ryan and I were in a meeting this morning with uh, some pastors on the west side, and, um, and uh, Apostle Willie Coates, um, African-American leader in our community, 69 years old, but you'd think he's 40 with his energy. Um, it was my first chance to meet Apostle Coates and they were so kind and hospitable to us and um, they prayed for us and they gave us blessing. It was amazing. Um, but he, he was talking about race a little bit and he said, he said, you don't mind if I just go for that, right? Because people talk about race like, but they do it from a distance. And he said, look, we're trying to make a baby. We got to touch each other. <laughs> Which is this way of saying that like, we have to be, we have to be with each other. We have to be in the room together. We have to talk about these things honestly. We can't like from a mile away be like I'm for that issue, I'm for that problem. I I loved the uh the intensity of that idea and it was really helpful for me.
1: I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh I wanna just to end the this section that we got one more. Uh this quote from Rusty Pullender, the uh Hope Ministries Director of Transition, he says this. He said, we at Hope Ministries pray that the poor, broken, addicted people that find themselves struggling here in South Bend will be at the heartbeat of your church community. Mm. Residents at Hope are desperate for a place to belong, Mm -hmm. and they have been pushed away over and over again for many different reasons. We have learned the opposite of addiction is connection. Mm. Please help us connect our residents at Hope to South Bend City Church. There is with language in there, Mm -hmm. not just for language, right? Connection, Mm -hmm. ongoing relationship, equality, walking through life together. Mm -hmm. May we be a church that's not just for the city, but is with the city. Uh, One last uh, quote that we have here from Reverend Theo Williams.
0: Yes, this is Reverend slash Professor Theo Williams, a local minister and academic in the area. My hope is that your church would become a place where truth is preached in love. Mm. And it's in that where people will feel welcome because you will be able to, not necessarily cater to their needs, but know a true need that is being met. And that's the need for them to know the truth.
1: Mm. What I hear in that is a really good encouragement that may we be a church that sees our lives change, that there's something transformative about what we're doing here. If we come with all of our different stories and we think we already have it figured out in advance, and, and this just becomes coming to cheer for the things that we already know to be true, Uh, then we'll walk away with nothing ever being different in our lives. So may we come and bring our stories to the table, but may we be people uh, that are always humble to say, God, what is it that you want to say differently, perhaps, about my life or my story or my situation? How do you want to change things for me? Aaron Perry, the director of the parts, echoes that with his final thought. He said, it is my hope that the transformation in this city is underscored by transformations that occur in people's hearts and minds. Maybe we be transformed.
0: Wow. Thank you, Ryan. Um, I wanna just also point out like, uh, so Ryan's a member of our community. He's a leader in our community. Just like Dan's here to equip us to pray. I'd say that's a lot of what Dan's role is to help us become people who pray. Ryan's here to equip us to help us become people who love the city, who are with the city. And so, um, like, you should get to know Ryan. Like, uh, he's easy to talk to, I promise. Like, uh, we have these moments that are programmed, but there's also just the relational space that we'll begin to build as a family. And if you're wondering, how do I begin taking steps, even in your own work or your neighborhood, to love the city, I would say, talk to Ryan. Um, When he doesn't have answers, he'll point you in the right direction. And he's a resource for our community, so don't miss that. Um, We got just a little bit left tonight, uh, but here's the thing. Before we respond through singing or praying or doing anything else, You know when you listen and all you do is you're thinking about how you're going to respond? Have you ever had those conversations like about 10% of your brain is actually receiving the perspective that you're being shown and 90% of you is like, but here's what I would say about that and here's how I'm going to pray for that, right? We don't want to do that communally either. Uh, Silence is becoming a part of our rhythm as a community, moments of silence for meditation uh, to open up our hearts. We just want to honor the fact that many different people were willing to share their perspective with us with two minutes of uh, total silence, and that could be to see if, if, if God leads you toward anything in particular that you heard, if there's anything that convicts you or inspires you or gets you excited or breaks your heart, and uh, so we'll sit for a couple of minutes, and then Dan will lead us into what's next. So that's, uh, that's the listening that we did on our last experimental gathering. After some silence, we took time to pray prayers of the people, to pray for those who have been uh, hurt by the church, for those who've been wounded, uh, to pray for ourselves and our imperfect but full-hearted desire to live faithfully in some way with our neighbors, and to pray for a beautiful future as we build South Bend City Church as a church for the city and the world. Uh, So I hope that listening uh, helps you join us in the journey, and we'd love to see you sometime. Uh, Wednesdays at The Brick in South Bend. Thanks, friends.